Today's Daf is Lamadalit 34. We start um, a little bit behind where on Lamad Gimel Lamadvet by the Chudat, the Ein Mimachim Biyantav, still talking about the Hadath and removing the berries. And the ongoing question has been whether there's this issue called Dichoy by Mitzvot, whether a mitzvah object, if it was initially unusable when it became originally defined as the mitzvah object, whether that status of being unusable or rejected. Um, remains even after it becomes fit again. So until now, we've, we've been um, avoiding coming to any particular conclusion about that, about whether there is Yichoy or not Yichoy, but now we turn to the last clause in the, in the Mishnah, which is, you cannot remove the berries on Yantav. Um, so let's take a look um, at the Gemara, about uh, 15 lines down in the middle of Amgimon. So if you transgressed and you actually did pick the berries on Yantav off of this uh, Hadas, my, so what would be the status? Kasher. It sounds like it would be kosher. It just sounds like you're not allowed to, but that the actual Hadas would then become kosher as a result. So the Ashkar Amos, when did it become black? Because as we said yesterday, it's only in comparison, it's only a problem when the berries are actually black. If they had been black already and the Hadat had been invalid before Yantav began, so So then at least when Yantav began, it was, it, it was pushed away. It was unusable when Yantav began. Um, and um, yesterday we tried to claim that it wasn't clear whether that would be a problem. Here you see that it would not be a problem because even if it was pushed away not usable when Yantav began you could make it usable on Yantav I mean you're not allowed to but it would become usable um, so you should at least be able to infer from that that if it was initially unusable that's not considered that it doesn't necessarily have to remain that way so okay as an alternative we'll try to argue a different possibility the Ashkor Biyantov maybe no when Yantav began they were fine they just became big, big black over Yantav, and then you fixed it again. But when Yantav began, it was okay. So if that's true, Nirevinidchahu, that's a case where it was originally fit when Yantav began, and then it got pushed away. Um, and then your conclusion would be, Shmatminaj, um, then you could infer from that, Nirevinidchachozavinira, that if something that was fit and pushed away, it could become fit again. Now, of those two, it's actually, it's easier to validate the case when it was never fit. Right? If something was actually in the category and rejected, right, then it's harder to go ahead and to make it more acceptable because it was like actively pushed away after it already was fully in that category. If something was like, you know, never fit, even when it became a Mitzvah object, it's more like, you know, it's like, come back and see us when you're ready. So then when it becomes fit, maybe that's different. But so, so if you had to choose between the two, it's easier to say it's kosher, the case of dichoy me'ikara than nira dinitcha. And the Gemara says that one of them has to be okay. Because if you pick the berries on Yantav, when Yantav begins, it's in the category of the mitzvah. So either it was never fit and you made it fit, or if it was fit, unfit, and you made it fit again. One of those at least is going to be kosher. So the Gemara says... Um, so, uh, so Gemara says, uh, no, so let's go back to the first possibility, the Ashkameh Kara. Let's at least concede the less, uh, the, the, the more obvious case. It was black when Yantav began. 
Dichoy meikar lo have dichoy kivshet mina. I'll concede that you can infer from this that something initially pushed away does not have to remain that way. It was black. It was unusable when yet it began. It was dichoy meikara, but then you picked the berries. You made it acceptable. That you can infer from the Mishnah. You cannot go so far to infer that fit and then pushed away will become fit again because that's not necessarily the case. The case was not necessarily that it was fit when Yanta began. It might have been the case where it was unfit. But minimally, you're right. Since it says don't pick the berries, the implication being that if you pick the berries, it's okay. You're right. Minimally, you could prove that if something was unfit when it began to be a mitzvah, when Yanta began, that you can go ahead and make it fit. At least you can prove the case of Nirvin Incha. Now, by the way, you could make even a stronger claim. You could say there's no such concept of dichoy by mitzvahs. Right? That was the question we were asking yesterday. Right? Because then, okay, there's no concept of dichoy. Of course you can make it okay. The concept isn't relevant. Here what the Gemara is saying is even if I were to concede that there is a concept of dichoy by mitzvot, at least we see from this case that the case of dichoy mekara is not a problem. Right? If it was a started off being pushed away, then you can go ahead and fix it. It might be dichoy is not an issue at all. Right? But at least Dichoy Meikara is not an issue. If it started Yontiv no good, you can fix it once, or you're not allowed to fix it, but if you did fix it when Yontiv began, it became okay. Yeah, so at least Dichoy Meikara is not a problem. Yes. So the, the, why does the Gemara not entertain the possibility of Hutra? In other words, it's, 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 the whole thing is being compared to Kochim, right? Yeah. So, like, there's a concept of Dichuy Bekochim. Right. It applied to Mitzvah. Right. What about the issue of... Wasn't that the issue by Kochim of Dichuy or Hutra, one of those two? What do you mean by... Oh, that's a, a, that's a different concept of Dichuy. Right? No, yeah, yeah. That about... That's, no, 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 no. So you're right. I mean, it's the same word. But that's when there's an issue that there's something that overrides that lets you bring it. Like you're, over- right. you're overriding it and allowing you to bring it on Shabbos. Or overriding it and allowing you to bring it on Betuma. So do you say that, that it's Hutra or Dichuya? Right. So is the prohibition pushed away or is the prohibition completely allowed, completely right. released? Right. Here it's whether the mitzvah object is pushed away. So it's a different concept. Here it's more of a stick the idea of alright okay so that's the conclusion the conclusion is is that minimally there's not a problem of Dichuy Meikara and if you pick the berries on Yantav you'll make it okay okay it might be there's no problem of Dichuy at all but minimally there's not that problem Sanu Rabbanan um, now we turn to the issue about why that you can't pick the berries on Yantav but Rabbi Lezer Shimon says you are allowed to pick the berries so the Gemara says, how could you do that? Mm-hmm. You're fixing something on Yantiv. You're making this Hadas into a usable Hadas. So the Gemara says, uh, You're not trying to fix the Hadas. You're picking the berries because you like the berries. You're eating them. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Uh, holds like his father. Because um, holds that you can do something on Shabbos or Yantav if you're not intending for, for, for the consequences. You're trying to just eat the berries. You're not trying to fix it. So the Gemara says, one minute. 
agrees if you cut off its head, won't it die? And it's so, so meaning, you can say, the classic example of Enomit Kavain is, I can drag a bench right. across the yard to get it from one end of the yard to the other. Oh, maybe it'll make a furrow? All right, I'm not trying to make a furrow. And you know what? A furrow won't even necessarily be made. It depends how soft the ground is. depends how hard I'm dragging it. So therefore, we can say that if a furrow is made, it's an unintended consequence, and it's not like I did it. But, they say, let's say the ground is so soft and the bench is so heavy that there's no question you're going to make a furrow. So you can't say, well, I wasn't intending to make a furrow. I was only intending to drag drag the bench across. No, since it was a necessary consequence, it's like you intended it. They said, let's say you were to chop off the head of a chicken. And you were saying, I just want to play with the head. I'm not interested in a dead chicken. That was an an unintended consequence. You can't say unintended if it'll necessarily happen. So therefore, you cannot use enomit kavain in a case called a psik reshe, a cut off the head, where it's a necessary consequence. So they say, if you pluck off the berries, making it a usable hadas, is a necessary consequence. It's not maybe it will, maybe it won't. So the fact that you weren't intending it does not get you off the hook, does not make it like it, don't attribute this action to me. By the way, it's not a necessary consequence. Why? Because it could be something else wrong with the leaves. Okay, but in a case where it is usable, then it's a necessary consequence. And that's got to be the case, because otherwise, you know, that, that you'd assume that if you did it, it would, be a, it would make it a kosher hadas. So the Gemara says like this. Okay, so the Gemara says, the Isle Hoshana Achriti, you have another hadas. Now, why does that matter? So here you have a fascinating debate of Rashi and Tosos. To- Rashi says, and Rashi is like a very simple answer. Rashi says, look, when you look at a hadas without berries, what do you look at it? You say like, ah, oh, now I've got a hadas to use for my, es- for my lulav. Now I have a fixed hadas. Let's say you already had, let me give you a scenario. Let's say you already had your lulav with the hadas and the arava all bound up and all ready to go, and then you were plucking berries from another hadas. Would you say that you fixed the hadas? No, in that type of a context, you don't look this hadas as now a fixed hadas. It was just a, wow, it was like a, you know, it was a, it was a, it was just a branch that had berries on it. It was like you had a, uh, it was like you had a cluster of grapes that you were picking uh, grapes off of the cluster. In the context where you have another hadas, this doesn't transform from being something un- like, from being identified as an unusable hadas to a fixed hadas. It only transforms that way when it's needed to be used in that capacity. So that's why Rossi says it's different, okay? It's not like the objective reality now makes it a different object. It was only a different object when it was needed to serve in that type of a capacity. Tosvos says another explanation. Tosvos says that actually, and this becomes very important, it's a principle called Psik Reisha de Lo Nichole, which is not explicit in the Gemara, but it's very much developed by Tosvos and other Rishonim. Yes, it's a necessary consequence, but it's not a consequence I'm interested in. And since it's not a consequence you're interested in, it doesn't really be considered to be something that is attributable to you. So if, I, like, I wanted the furrow in the ground, okay, meaning not like I was trying to make it, but it would be nice for me to have a furrow in the ground, then you say, ah, it was a necessary consequence, and it's something you're happy with, you know what, it's like you intended it. But if basically you're not interested in the furrow in the ground, and it's not a intended consequence, even if it's necessary, then it can't be like, it's sort of like you wanted it. No, I didn't want it. Uh, you know, so even if it was necessary, if I wasn't interested in it, don't make it my issue. 
So that's what Tosa says the case is here. If you're not interested in it, because anyway you've got another Hadas, even though you did fix the Hadas, we're not disagreeing with that conclusion, it is like you fixed it, but it's not like something that was connected to you, and therefore it can't be pinned on you. Another way Tosa goes it is here, he even goes so far to call it like the Malach Hashem Tzricha Like, yes, you wanted to do it, but not for the normal reason, and therefore you can't be held, it can't be tagged on you. Anyway, that's what Tosa says. Rashi's explanation seems, at least here, to be a lot more simpler. In this context where you don't need a hadaf, it's not considered like you fixed it. By the way, according to a number of Rishonim, we're only dealing with a rabbinic problem to begin with. Right? right? The idea that's Sorry. considered like... Well, not right. The idea of like it's fixing, like making something, you know, if you really are making a vessel, you give the final hammer blow, you shape it, then you make something. That's like an Indian of Makabatatish or, or Bona. Here... You know, just because now it has the care qualities that you could use it in your lulav, according to some Rishonim, the Rambam, it says, even if you did it intentionally, it's not a biblical malacha anyway. So in that context, recognizing that it's a pretty amorphous idea fixing it to, to begin with, and you have another one anyway, so you don't really, so in that context, it's not really considered like you did anything of substance. So that's what Rashi says. If you have another one, you didn't really do anything. Well, so says, no, you did it. But since you weren't interested in it, it's not really your problem. It's not really your act. That's right? how they answer that. Yes. Are, are you saying, do I understand correctly that the, that the distinction of sequences of the is introduced by Tosfos, not the Gemara anyway? Right. The Gemara has this case and another case like it, which a number of Rishonim say, oh, this is an idea called sequences of the Lonichale, and that's an accept, exclusion. But a number of Rishonim, it's possible to read the cases in the Gemara to be very local reasons and not a generic idea. Of secret for Washburn because a very dominant halacha category on Shabbos of secret Shadolonichale right. is not so clear in the Gemara. Wow. Just you know, yeah. So which of these concepts do you apply about the idea of dragging the bench through the ground? Then, if you weren't at all interested, you know, you don't, you're not responsible. So according to Tosos, if you're not interested in the result, you, you, you don't care about the end result, that's psikresha delonichale, which means that it would only be like a rabbinic issue, but you certainly would not be liable, and sometimes we might even say that it would be allowed. That's what Tosos says. Rashi never says that. Another Rishonim, again, that's how we pass them, like Tosos. But Rashi and other Rishonim don't agree, and they say that, no, this case is special. This case, as opposed to the bench case, you actually did make a furrow. You actually did do something, whether you're interested in it or not. Here, in this context, you didn't do anything significant. So that's a Rashi reason. I just looked up Myrtleberries are edible. I've never seen There you go. Okay, it sounds like it's one of those doctors. Right. Which is the Dr. Seuss where they're always eating those, the berries off of That was like, uh, anyway. Let's see, you're That's a different so right. If you're in, truly indifferent, so let's consider Lonichale. That's, yeah. Lo, so we show him don't distinguish between Lonichale and Loichpasle. Okay, Lonichas, you don't want it, Loichpasle, you don't care for it. They basically don't distinguish. Okay, so the like this. Um, so we talk. If the if the if not undoes gets undone on Yantiv, you re knot it like you make a vegetable bunch, which is like you just wrap it around and you tuck it in. So you don't even like knot it at all because you can't make a knot on Yantiv. So the Gemara says, how money? Uh, so the Gemara says like this. Why, why should you limit yourself to that? Make it like a bow knot. Make it, okay. Um, so the Gemara says, How many Rebbe Yehuda eat the Amar Aniva Kshir Malyafi? No, it's Rebbe Yehuda. Rebbe Yehuda says that a bow knot is a real knot on Shabbos and on Yantiv. He says it in another context. And therefore, it doesn't make it any good. Whether you're going to make a double knot or a bow knot, either way you can't do it because uh, it'll be a prohibition on Yantiv. So the Gemara says, No. 
I Reb Yehuda, if this was Reb Yehuda, Egen Mal Yosabai, you should have to, then what good does it do to make a, uh, like a little tucked in type of a wrap? According to Reb Yehuda, you're not Yotze unless you really make a real knot. So according to, it can't be Reb Yehuda. He wouldn't let you make anything. For him, it wouldn't be good to do anything other than a real knot, and obviously you couldn't do that on Yaktiv. This town holds like him in one regard, that he doesn't like bow knots on Yantiv, but he, disre- he disagrees in another regard, and he actually feels that you're Yotse Lulav without doing a full knot. He doesn't hold like Reb Yehuda, you really need a knot, going back to the debate Lulav Tarach Eged, so you can be Yotse this Lulav even if the knot got undone, but even if you want to knot it, and L'Chachila you should knot it on Yantiv, don't make a bow knot, that according to him would be a problem. Now, so Rashi has a very important Rashi here according to this if you take a look at Rashi um, with Rashi's line so the word Alei three lines before the Mishnah of the Rashi um, he says the following Belulav the Ein Tzarech Eged he says Belulav doesn't need a knot so he'll let you do a tucking in because you know you don't need to really because you have your Yotza even without a knot Shminen Mehacha says Rashi we, can, we hear from here to be in Belulav Kesher Gamur Shikr Shnei Rashi HaEged so meaning, we see, right, it says that according to Rabbi Yehuda, just tucking in would not be enough. According to Rabbi Yehuda, that Lulav Tzarek Eged, you'd have to make a real knot, and you couldn't do it on Yatav, so you're stuck. Right? That's clear, right? That's the most conclusion. That according to Rabbi Yehuda, you can't make a real knot on Yatav, number one, and number two, therefore, there's no way to fix this Lulav. So from here, so that tells you that according to Rabbi Yehuda, the knot that is demanded by Lulav is a real full knot, okay? So... Um, according to Rabbi Yehuda if you just made it like the vegetable thing like just wrapping it around so that's Rabbi Yehuda and that's why this lulav is not fixable according to Manyantiv so now Rashi makes an important statement and even the rabbis that say that if it's not knotted it's kosher and therefore here even though you can't make a real knot you, can ju- you might as well just tuck it in because even if it's not knotted it's kosher Modu de mitzvah ogdo. They would still agree that it's a mitzvah to make a full knot. Kinetanuel, Mishum Zekeliva and Veil, Vokmin Karabanan. So what Raji is really saying here, and this is the point I told you yesterday, when the Gemara say the rabbis agree because of Zekeliva and Veil, are they making a purely aesthetic point? Or are they saying that Lichatrila, you should do what Reb Yehuda demands? And what difference does it make? Because from this Gemara we see that what Rabbi Yehuda demands by an Eged is not just the reality of physically them being held together, but a fully halachically defined knot, like a double knot. And Rashi here is claiming, so if that's what you get by Rabbi Yehuda, and therefore according to Rabbi Yehuda you couldn't fix this thing on Yantav, even the rabbis that say, but the Eved, it's okay, if you want to do the Lichatchila for the rabbis, you need to make a full halachic knot, you need to make a double knot. And that's why there's a real question about those... Um, things that everybody uses, you know, those like, uh, what I call those accordion boxes type of things, because that isn't a double knot. I mean, it holds it all tight, but it isn't a double knot. So, halakhically, right, if you put, um, you know, are you, is that the lichatchila of the rabbis? Would that work according to Rabbi Yehuda? And if it wouldn't work according to Rabbi Yehuda, then at least according to Rashi, who says the rabbis lichatchila don't just want it to look pretty and to be technically held together. They want it to be a real knot. Does, is that enough? 
So a lot, obviously, the fact that so many people do it, generally the, the assumption, either not like Rashi, you don't really need a double knot according to the rabbis, or they hold that if something is held together in a permanent way, that would count even according to Rabbi Yehuda. Like even if holders, those holders, holders, those holders, even if it would not be a double knot, even Rabbi Yehuda might conceive if it's a, if it's a type of a permanent type of being held. Personally, um, I, um, you know, wanted to, you know, make, going back decades now, when I first learned this, decided, okay, but why, you know, it's not so clear that that's the case. Let's really make a real double knot. And anyway, I have to tell you, personally, whenever I use those things, it always, like, tears off the leaves when you yeah, try to pull yeah. things in it. So I just get rid of those whole accordion things, and I just, I think I've told you before, take a lulav leaf, I peel, peel a leaf off of the lulav, split it in half, you know, because it's doubled over, then you've got the one thing, then make, like, strips, and you take those strips, those are really like good tensile strings, you know, they function as, and they work, they knot very, very easily, and I just make, you know, three places on the lulav, you know, middle, you know, whatever, to, uh, you know, uh, you know, I mean, first I do the lulav itself, I knot it, but then the hadassim that are on it, and I do it with these things, and I do double knots, it holds fine, I think it actually, even aesthetically, I gotta tell you, it looks a lot nicer, it looks a lot more natural, you know, you just have the whole thing, like there's one big, you know, bundle, Anyway, and then it turned out, I just did this on my own, then it turned out I married uh, a woman who actually has like some uh, uh, Lubavitch uh, background, um, and it turns out that this is actually Min Chabad as well. Oh, wow. so it was all, it was all about shares, I guess. Yes. Wait, so, two questions. So, you, you used two terms. You said a bow knot and a double knot. So, the Anvameyan is a bow knot. No, it's a bow knot. But the Gemara says that the Gemara says that a bow knot, you know, the Gemara's question about a bow knot is, could, are you allowed to make a bow knot on Yantav? Rashi's point is, you know, the way Rashi didn't spell out literally double knot, but where Rashi basically, his point is that what you see from the Gemara is that it has to count as a real knot, and in the in real knot presumably means a real knot that's a knot that would count as a knot for, for the halachas of Shabbos and Yantav. Because right. the Gemara assumes that according to Rabbi Yehuda, there's no way you could make a knot the, on Shabbos and Yantav that would work for the Lulav, which means that any knot that works for the Lulav would be defined as a knot from Shabbos and Yantav perspective. Right. So since Lahalacha, a knot for Shabbos and Yantav is a double knot, not the assumption is, no. Well, according to Rabbi Yehuda, not, right. I mean, Rabbi Yehuda might say yes, but yes. But as a general rule, the way we paskin, right. uh, a knot for Shabbos and Yantav is a double knot, so that might be the knot that would be required. Okay. Right. And so that also means that when you bundle everything together, you don't use like those, uh, like, Slipknot things. Right, so that would be the same question, those slipknot things. So those slipknot things that we just tend to put on the actual lulav itself, not to combine the lulav with the other minim. So there, there's no halacha of eged. Right. The halacha of eged is the lulav with the it's other minim. So I will use those, but I have to tell you, once I get in the, got in the practice of doing this thing, of just using it like string, it was a lot easier to just do that for everything. Well, that we'll get to. Okay. So hopefully we'll get to that today, if we can catch up, yes. How do you, how do you keep these things moist then? Because what yeah, I was wondering how to get them out of that hole. Right. Actually so what I do was... A double right, thing. right. And I, and I well, that's a good point. The fact that you could just flip it out right. shows that they're not really held and in any serious way to it. Right. So in theory, you know, I could do that too because you know you could flip it out and flip it in because it's whatever. But but then there's the question, right? Because then do you start worrying about things like like the earlier Gemara, like Tatsev Alomina Asli, etc. Now all of that would only be within Reb Yehuda. But then the question is, how much do you have to worry about that within the Lechatchila of the Rabbanan? So what I basically do is the theory what I started what I figured out to do and it works to me 
totally fine is I take a nice uh, like a like a kitchen towel like a hand towel I get it nice and wet you know um, I wrap it all in like I you know I wrap it all around and then I take like some heavy duty tin foil and I put it around that and it holds like really tight it keeps all the moisture in and then I put that in like you know then put the whole lulav in the lulav holder and it and it totally stays totally moist you know, don't take the lulav out no, no, no. I, with the lulav, right. I put, but I, wrap, I don't wrap the lulav. I wrap the section that has the hadas and arava with a moist, right. ta- a, you know, a seriously moist towel. Uh-huh. I mean, not so moist that I'm going to, like, squeeze right. it and it's going to drip at the touch, but anyway. And then I put very heavy-duty tin foil around it, right. and, uh, and it stays totally moist. fine. And, and holds the moisture. And that is the replacing in water. Well, no. For, I mean, it's, no. You uh, don't need to refrigerate. Well, no, I don't do it with refrigerator. Because the rubbers don't get black. Yeah, I always had that problem. I don't know. It has I have to If they do get black, they get black when everybody else's the rubbers get black, like towards the middle of Cholamoid. Okay. I just have to replace mine. Let's take a look. Okay. Are, so above our Zula. I'm sorry, one last thing. Are you allowed to take, you know, like, uh, not over it? Like, let's say you have, like, you have that holder, and then you have the rubbers, and you just take a... The scene not even look. Just put over that, right? Yeah, you could do that. You could do that. Um, okay. Uh, that's also not a double knot. Okay. Arava Gzula Yevesha Psula. An Arava, now the same mission that we had by Lulav and Hadas, now we have by the Arava. An Arava that is stolen or dried out is invalid. Shalashev Shalirni Dachas Psula. Again, of a Asher worshipped or an Irni Dachas, which will have to be destroyed and burnt, is invalid. Niksam Rosho Nifutu Allah. If its head is cut off or its leaves have fallen off, Siftifa, uh, now something new, a Siftifa, which is a certain type of an Arava, which we will find out, has uh, different types of leaves, and it's a mean of an, a type of an Arava that's not kosher, is Psula. Kmusha, um, if the leaves are wilted, but Shanishu Mixas, are only some of the leaves have fallen off, for Baal, and a, uh, a, one of the fields that is, a, is, uh, is sort of grows by rain, by rainfall, okay, Kshira is kosher. Shabbat is contrasted often to irrigated, but right. here it's also contrasted to the idea of Arve Nachal. Nachal meaning growing by a river. Let's say it doesn't grow by a river, it grows in a field and has to live off of the rainfall, that also is kosher. By the way, a very interesting Rashi, if you look at Rashi on the Mishnah, Arva Gzula, Yevesha Psula, Rashi says, Lulav de Lachem Akuluhukai. When it says Lukakhtem Lachem, it's not just referring to the Lulav and the, and the, and the uh, Esra, but also to the Hadas and the Arava. The reason that's interesting is, number one, he could have said it by the Hadas. I don't know why he waited to say it by the Arava. And number two, because the first discussion in the Perek was whether the Gzula problem is a problem of ownership, or is the Gzula problem a problem of Mitzvah Babiavera. Here Rashi is dropping the Mitzvah Babiavera and just focusing on the ownership aspect. Okay, let's take a look now at the Gemara. Tanu Rabbanan, Arve Nachal, um, willows of the <coughs> river or of the wadi, Hagdeli Malhanachal, that they have to grow by the wadi, okay, which is not exactly the, the technical requirement, even if they don't grow by a river, but at least Lechachila they should. Okay? Dabar Acher, Arve Nachal, Sha'alashala Mashoch Nachal. The uh, leaf is uh, elongated like a river. Um, so that, and that's going to be important because uh, the tzipsafa is a type of a type of an arava that's invalid, which has more circular leaves. Tanya Ida, we taught in the Brisa, Arve Nachal, Emiel Arve Nachal. I only know aravas of the river. Shel Baal, those that grow in the field that get that, that survive by rainfall. For Shel Harim, and it grows on the mountains. Minayan, where do I know it from? Talmud Lomar, Arve Nachal Mikomakom. The Arve in Lashon Rabim means even not the paradigmatic Arve Nachal, but anything of that species, even if it does not grow by the river. The Rishash makes a very lovely point. He says the word Nachal has two meanings. 
It means a wadi, and it means a river. So he says that's why we're contrasting it to two cases. One is growing in the field, which is not by a river, and the other is growing on a mountain, which is not in a wadi. So it doesn't need to be Arve Nachal either way. It doesn't have to be a wadi and it doesn't have to be by a river. Either way, it's okay if it's the same min, if it's the same type of plant wherever it grows. Is there a preference? Is the Torah says Arve Nachal? Some say, there's a discussion about is there a lichatchila of Arve Nachal. Rashi says that there is. If you look at Rashi, Arve Nachal, the first Rashi on the Gemara, mitzvah bezo. Okay, that's why Rashi may sound like there's a lichatchila. There's some debate if there's a lichatchila to get them that grow by the river. Abishol Omer, top of Ramadal Lamdalif, Abishol says, Arve Shtayim, Arve is Lashon Rabim, too. Achat Lulav, Achat Lamikdash, to tell you that there's an Arava for um, the Lulav, and there's another type of an Arava that you need, what they would he have that. Yes, just one Arava and a Lulav? We'll talk about, I'll, hold on, I'll talk about that in a minute. But the double language is to tell you there are two separate mitzvahs of Arava. There's a mitzvah of Arava that you do in the Lulav, that we obviously know, and then there's another mitzvah of Arava that you do separate from the Lulav, which is the one they did in the base of Mikdash, the walking around the altar, which we'll hear about later. So that's what the double language says for him. Rabbanan, the rabbis would say, where did they get the idea that there's this separate mitzvah of, that they did in the base of Mikdash of walking around the altar with an arava? Alright, they don't get it from a positive. That's just a tradition. The ten plantings, Arava Venisu Chamayim, the Arava that they would do in the base of Mikdash, walking around the altar, and the pouring of water, Halachal Moshe Misinai. Those are all Halachal Moshe Misinai. Now, the last two are easy. The Arava, we know that, you know, what we do sort of like with the Hushanas, we do it with the Lula, but anyway, they did it in the base of Mikdash with the Arava. We'll find out more about that, the walking around the Arava, around the altar. Nisu Chamayim is the special thing. That's why we have Simcha Space Hashoev on Sukkot, a special pouring of water that they did with the morning sacrifice in the base of Mikdash over Sukkot the only time they would ever pour water on the altar. The ten plantings is an unrelated point. It is the idea that on, Shemitah, on a Shemitah year, you stop working the land already Erev Shemitah. Already, you know, the period before Shemitah. Some types of things you stop working from, Shavuot, from, Suk, from uh, Pesach, like six months before the Shemitah years begins. Some places, you, some areas you stop working from um, Shavuot, you know, whatever, four months or so before Pesach begins. But, if you have trees, you can work the area underneath the trees, like right, you know, um, the, um, you know, up to like within a month before the Shemitah year begins. Now, let's say you actually have. Hold on, let me just check Rashi for a second. See what I mean. um, one minute. Right. So here's basically the halacha. If you have old trees, you can work the area directly under these old trees, which sort of need a lot of uh, nutrients and irrigation until a month before Rosh Hashanah. But if you have young trees, you can actually work them right up until Rosh Hashanah and the year before the Shemitah year, even though there's generally a mitzvah to add to the Shemitah year. If you have ten trees in a field that is 50 by 50 amot, and they're sort of dispersed equally within that field, you're allowed to work not just directly under the trees, but you're allowed to irrigate and work the entire field for the sake of those young trees all the way up to Rosh Hashanah itself. You don't have to add anything on to Shemitah in that type of, in that scenario. So that's the special halacha of ten young trees. 
ten young trees dispersed equally in a field of fifty by fifty emote, you can work the whole field. Whereas if it was not, t- if it was more than ten, or they weren't dispersed equally, or the field was larger, these types of things, you could only work under the trees. You couldn't work the entire field. Okay, so we're not going to worry about that. The only interesting thing to point out is why are these three bunched together? There's a lot of things that are halach lemoshe misinai. So Rashi says, well, these happen to all be discussed at the same time in the base medrash, so that's why they were bunched together. But probably they're also bunched and together course. because not, they're not the same testing, but they all do relate to water. water. Right, exactly. So presumably the water connection is what brings them all together. The same. So anyway, and so, but that's the basic point. We know the idea of Arava from Mahalach Lamoshim Sinai. We don't know it from the verse. Now, by the way, Tosvos asks an interesting question. Tosvos says, if you take a look at Tosvos, Tosvos says like this, Rabbanan Lemiktesh Minalehu, Tosvos on Lamad Aleph, he says, Hachanami Mati Lemipai Labashol Shabbashol Harimin Aleph. Says if the rap, so Abishol who learned that the you know the Arve is one for the base Hamikdash. Where does he know the idea that you can use them even if they don't grow by a river? So he says Vishima Leisle. Maybe he holds that if they don't grow by a river, it's invalid because he needs the word Arve to tell you the one that's used for the uh, base Hamikdash. And then he says. Um, Ulufi this says says tells us about six lines down. Maybe we should say that you can only use an arava, not like the Gemara says, only if it really grows by a river. Why? Because later we're going to say the double language of arve is going to tell you two, because how many aravas do you have in a lulav? Two. So if later we say the double language of Arve says you need two Aravas, maybe we can't, you, we can't include the other type of an Arava that doesn't grow literally by a river. So Tosos has the possibility that you would need to have Aravas that grow by a river to be Yotze. Well, if, if we're using, right, not because of Abishal, but if we're going to later say the double language is to demand two Aravas, so maybe it's not coming to include those that don't grow by a river. We don't pass in that way. That would be a really nice big chumrah. But, um, but that is a possibility because of the drusha, the way the Gemara learns it out. Okay, back to the Gemara. No, Tana Rabbanan. Arve nachal hagdeh lo So meaning those that grow by the river. Now we just got through saying it doesn't have to, other than tosos, literally grow by a river. But at least it's the, the species that grows by the river. So, to exclude the tzifzifah species that generally grows in the mountains. Now, of course, we just said a minute ago, you can use an arava that grows in the mountains. Fine, but it's the species that is the classic species that grows by the river. As opposed to a tzifzifah, which is a different species that fundamentally grows by in, in the mountains. So, so it's not a question of practically where this thing grew, but what type of a species it is. So even if you by Correct. It doesn't matter where it grew. Amarebisera. Micra. Where do you see a verse that tzifzifah is considered a, a, a like a low, a, you know, a less uh, uh, quality uh, type of an arava, and therefore it should be like a down, uh, a downgraded type of an arava. Kacha main rabim take on many waters. Tiftefas samo, you have made it into a tiftefa. So this is a verse that is like in the context of a curse of the Jewish people, and it says the way it's going to be read, which the will say a minute is, it used to be a type of a plant that would be on all these waters, and now it has become a tiftefa. So you see, a tzitzitzah is a lesser plant that does not generally grow by the waters. So Amalei Abayi, so Abayi said, How do you know that it's sort of downgrading it? Maybe it's just explaining it. My kacha Rabin, take that thing that grows by many waters, umayniu, what is that tzitzitzah? 
So maybe Tiftafa is a type of a thing that grows by many waters. Maybe it's not a lesser type of a plant. So it says, no. In came my sama. What does it mean? It has made them into a Tiftafa or made it into a Tiftafa. That means it used to be a better type of a plant that grew by waters. It has now become a Tiftafa. So you see that a Tiftafa is a lesser and it's not the qu- type of species that generally grows by water. And therefore, it is not considered good for an Arava wherever it grows. Amr Abiyavo, Amr HaKash Baruch Hu, and now we're going to explain what the, the, the metaphor of the verse. I said the Jewish people should be before me like, the, like that which is taken by many waters, that which grows by the waters. That's a rava. Probably there's also a play on the word of kach, like ulekachtem lachem. Right? It's taken for the mitzvah. Um, they passled themselves they made themselves like the tzitzvah that grows in the mountains and they made themselves something that could not be taken for the mitzvah they sort of pushed themselves out of this uh, holy context now some say well, this is just going to be a repeat but rather than sort of having it as um, um, Rabbi Zera quoting the verse to explain why it's if is no good, that the verse was already embedded in the Brita. And that the Brita itself said that you can't use a Tiftafa and it quoted the verse. Now Rabbi Zera, rather than quoting the verse, asked on the first. Maybe Sifsifa is the is the name of that thing that grows on many waters. Maybe it's not a lesser type of a plant. No. In came my summer. Then what would summer mean? Summer means it's being downgraded. It says basically a complete repeat, except it starts with having that verse in the Brita rather than having Rebbe Zera to be the one to quote the verse. So now we have said that because of that verse, we see that Tiftafa is not the Kach, is not the thing that is taken for the Lulav, is not the thing that Almain Rabim, it's fundamentally a different species. And therefore, the actual Arava doesn't have to grow by the river. The Tiftafa, no matter where it grows, is a different lesser species and is no good. And that's our psaac that of course an arava is good even if it does not grow by the river except according to Tosros that wants to make it an issue because if we use the Pasuk to tell us that you need two aravas Tosros wants to sort of resurface that as a problem but the general assumption is it does not have to grow by a river. Now that, now that we've said that's the difference how do you identify the difference between a tzitzitha and an arava? Let's take a look. So what's an arava? What's a tzitzitha? Arava, Kaneshala Edom, it has a red twig, and if you look actually at Aravot, you know, some of, you know, some of them actually, not all of them, yeah, so I'll talk about it in a minute. Well, it might be that it starts red and then it turns color, well, no. but anyway, it has a red twig. Um, the Allah Shalom Mashoch, and the leaf is elongated, as we mentioned before, that's also part of the suggestion of the word Arav, Nachal. Upia Chalak, and the edges of the leaf are smooth. Tzitzitha, the tzitzitha is different in all three ways. Kanashala um, lavan, it has a white stick. Va'alashala um, agol, and it's a circular leaf. Upia domel magal, and the edges of the leaf is like a uh, scythe. It's, 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 ser- it's right, it's serrated. So that's what, and that's and of course it said three qualities that make it an arava, and the three opposite qualities make it a tzitzitha. Let's say it has only some of the qualities of the arava, right? So if you take a look, Tosfos. Tosus has interprets this very leniently. Tosus says Kaneshala, Tosus says, Kivan de Pirishimane Arava, if once it said the three characters of an Arava, Havisagi, it could have ended there. These are the three characters of Arava. Anything that doesn't have these three is invalid. Mm. Elohachir, 
The reason it says the three opposite qualities are in the Tiftafa is to tell you you don't need all three to be in Arafa. Only that the three bad qualities is it not good? Okay, that if it is a, so you don't need all three good qualities to be good. So it's quite interesting, right? The Gemara often does that. It describes both extremes and leaves you wondering what's the story in the case in the middle. So Tosus actually interprets it very leniently. It's only a problem if it has all three negative qualities. Okay, again, interesting question, because sometimes you will get an Arava, A, that doesn't have a red stick, although sometimes it might have been red, but it just turns color. But B, you know, you will get an Arava that sometimes the leaves, as you know, there's some Aravas that are much longer leaves, and there's some that are more roundish leaves. Also difference in Hadassim, some are longer and some are much rounder. Okay, so which, which of you need all these qualities, or some of them? Again, not clear. Tosus basically comes out very leniently that you only need some of them. I'm not positing here. So now the Gemara says like this. Uh, the Gemara says, Vatanya. So now we said, if it has a, what do you call it? If it's got a, uh, a scythe-like leaf, it's no, the edges are no good. So the Gemara says, um, one minute we have a brighter that says that even if the leaf is like a scythe it's kosher even with the serrated if it's like a knife or like a saw it's invalid what's the difference? the difference is that a scythe all of the serrations go in one direction like they're angled things you know whereas a knife it's like it's like a you know it's sort of shaped like this right you have it looks like this Right? That's one type of thing. So it cuts in either way you move. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, you know, as opposed to serrations that go like this, right? Where it only cuts if you're moving in one direction mm-hmm. as opposed to in the other direction. Okay? So that's, so if it's like, if it's, if it's got, if it's got edges on both sides, if it's more triangular like a saw, it's no good. Whereas if it's like a scythe and it's only serrations oh, you don't in mean one like direction. A double edge, meaning on one and the other? Like, you know, meaning the view of your knife. Yeah. You know, it depends. You can have it on both sides. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Probably no. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about both. It's talking about... Yeah, it's talking... Yeah. Okay, so anyway, the Mark says like this. So uh, so which is it? If it's, do- if it's like a Magal, is it kosher or apostle? So the Mark says, Amar Abaye, Kitan Yehi Bechil Fagila. That thing that is, when it's like a magal, it's kosher, is a different type of a species called a chilfagila. Okay, which is, um, a, so if you take a look at Rashi, he says like this, uh, three lines down in the wide lines, chilfagila min aravak sherahi, upia domel magal, avoshar arava piha chalak. So Rashi basically says, and this is reinforcing, or this is based where Tosos gets this point from, there are some species of arava that do have leaves that are uh, serrated, that are kosher, kosher, right? So there are species, so meaning not all species, when we said if it's serrated like a scythe, it's invalid, that's not a universally true. There are some species that serrated like a knife, like a scythe is invalid, and there's some species like the silphagila that it's serrated like a scythe that it is valid. Okay, now how do you know which is which? You have to know your species of a of a rafa. Okay, but that is uh, but that's basically Tosis's point. That the way Tosis seems to want to read it is is that it only if it has all three problems is it invalid. So presumably silphagila, while it might be serrated like a scythe. The other qualities it has are the classic Arava qualities, and therefore it is good. 
Okay, so that's the conclusion of the Gemara. Is this type of a serration bad or good? Sometimes it's a bad. Sometimes it's a bad species. Sometimes it's a good species. There's a species called Kilfogila, which actually is okay. How do you know? Is not very clear. According to Tosos, the answer might be, as I said, because some of the other characteristics it has are the good characteristics. Yes, Michael. So we said that. I want to understand this one thing about a set of bowels. I something that doesn't need to be irrigated. But if, so it means if you have a field that you do irrigate. You know, and needs to be irrigated. You couldn't use anything to grow there. For, no, for Hoshana, right? no. Baal is here in contrast to growing by the river. Okay, it doesn't matter whether it's whether it's rainwater or irrigated or river. It's just contrasting it to something that grows by the river. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this: Amar Abaye says Abaye, uh, who just got through saying that Chilfagila. Since we have to identify a certain type of an arava that has a serration that's good, so and I, I identify this chilfagila, then we can infer that chilfagila is good for the arava. So the Gemara says, by the way, quite interesting here, because here it uses the word hoshana to refer to the arava, mm-hmm. and if you remember before, it used the word hoshana to refer to the hadassim, mm-hmm. which are cut for this, right? So the Gemara said, you know, the, actually it was a similar statement. Right? It, says, it said before, when you cut the Hadassim, it says, uh, right, it's, that was Gemara way back on Lamed Abdallah, it says, where was it? Shizavitu Asa, and then it says, Hashta Hoshana may cut. Here it's called a Hoshana. And yesterday as well, it spoke about when Abaye said, you, can, you hear that the type of thing is Kasha for Lulav, he said, it was the same Abaye. Shmamina Hai Asa Mitra Kasha Lahoshana. So Hoshana seems to be the word for anything that's part of the bundle together with the lulav, not just the hadas, not just the rava, but the bundling together with the lulav is called the hoshana. So this, so this uh, arava is kasha, this kilfagila is a species that's kasha to use for the lulav. Pshita, obviously. No. Maudetema, I might have thought, um, same point as before, since it's got some type of a, of a, of a descriptive name associated with it, it's not the straight arava, it's the chilfagila arava, so, same levai, lo nisgesher, won't be kosher, kamash malon that it is. Now, maybe we should say that. No, arve nachal amarachmanam yikom makom. Arve nachal is not, again, classic only arava arve in the plural means anything that's one of the subspecies of arava again not a tzifzifa that scene is again completely unrelated because it's not like of the type that normally grows by a nachal that identifies it as fundamentally out of the arve nachal category but if it's within the arve nachal even if it's not the paradigmatic species any one of the species of arve nachal is sufficient okay the following three, three things, the names reversed from the time the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. The things that we used to call Arava, we now call Chilfasa. It's not Chilfagila, which is actually kosher. But Chilfasa used to be the name of invalid Aravas, like uh, the Tzifzifa. And, so and, and Aravas were the names of kosher. Things that we now call Chilfasa used to be called Aravas and vice versa. So if you wanted to know what's a kosher Arava nowadays, you could go around and ask, what are things that we're calling Chilfasas? Because we're now calling Chilfasas things that used to be called Aravas and vice versa. My for the lulav. That if you want to identify the kosher species of a rava, now those are things that go by the name chilfasa. Okay. Uh, now shifura Shofar is now called chatzot which is a trumpet, and things that used to be called a trumpet are now called the shofar. 
So my nafkamina is shofar to Rosh Hashanah. So you should know that if you're looking for a shofar Rosh Hashanah, don't go around saying I'd like a shofar. They'll give you a trumpet. You need to go around saying I want a chosatzeret, and then you'll get a shofar. Now, by the way, Rosh so Rosh says, well, I mean, what is a trumpet? Normally, that would imply like a man-made metal object. Mm-hmm. So then, like, do I really need them to tell me don't use that for a shofar? But okay, maybe you do. Rashi says that no. The difference is, is that a chosatzeret suggests one that's like a simple straight one, as opposed to a shofar suggests a more like bent type of a thing, and therefore you're not you're supposed to use a bent shofar for for Rosh Hashanah, not one that's just you know straight. Um, by the way. Interestingly, the Shiltos, which is the Onik work, um, in the mitzvah to blow the shofar um, on Rosh Hashanah, says, Okay, that we're obligated to blow a chatzot Because wow. this is reflecting the fact that the, the language had shifted wow. and the word chatzot meant shofar. Well, Rashi, okay. <laughs> well, no, Rashi's point is that what did chatzot what, what, what used to mean? What does shofar now mean? Does it now mean a, a fizz, like a metal trumpet? Or does it mean, no, an animal thing just straight as opposed to twisted? Okay, but the Gemara does indicate that the words had reversed. Okay, now, patorta, um, patora, patora, patorta. These are two different words for different types of, like, tables. Um, and one was big and one was small. And which was which, the names change. You know what difference does it make to know which, what's called what? That if you agree to sell or buy a table, you got to know which type of table you're talking about. Okay. I'm advice. Abai said, Afani Omer, now they were talking about things that names reverse, I'll add to the list. Bekase hovlila, hovlila bekase. So these are different types of inner organs in the in an animal. Bekosas and hovlila, I don't know how they translated it, uh, um, whatever, it's one, uh, part of the stomach. Wonderful. If you have a needle inside the walls of one of these organs, so there's a difference between which organ it is, and you have to know which of the organs we're talking about. I am not going to... says one's the first chamber and another... Fine, it's an interesting I am not going to unpack that now. We'll have enough... We'll worry about that enough when we get to Hulu. I'll add to this list. Bovel Borsif. Borsif Bovel. What used to be called Bavel is now called Borsif, and what used to be called Borsif is now called Bavel. Remind Nafkin. You know what difference does it make? Legite Nashim. Forget. Now, what does that mean? So it could mean, you would think it means, oh, when you have to put somebody where somebody comes from, and they come from Bavel, mm-hmm. so don't get it confused. Know that what used to be called Bavel is now Borsif. Yeah, so Tosa said, so Rashi says, Tosa says that can't be what it means because we don't put countries in the get, we only put cities, and Bavel's a country. So Tosa and Rashi both say the Nafkin is for the first mission in Gitin, where it's says that when you come from Eretz Yisrael, you don't have to say, when you come from Chutzlart, you do, if a shaliach is bringing a get, to testify that it was written and signed correctly. And the Gemara says, when you come from Bavel, you also do not have to say, so you should know that that exclusion of Bavel from that halacha applies to the area now referred to as Borsif. Not the area that used to be referred to as that, which is the area that used to be referred to as Bavel. Okay, let's well, move yeah, on. Uh, Babylon, the city, was abandoned by the time of the Gemara. Okay, let's take a look at the Mishnah. The Bishmael Omer Now that we mention the Lulav Hadas and Arava, before we get to the Esra, we're going to talk about the the, the group of the Lulav Hadas and Arava that all get grouped together. So let's take a look. You need three Adasim, which they are Ravos, two are Ravos, one Lulav, one Esra, which is exactly what we do. But then he adds an interesting line. Of those three Hadasim, two can be, have their heads cut off, 
two and only one has to be perfect. Which Gemara says, like, make up your mind. If you need three, they all have to be good. If you need one, if you only need one, then why do you? If, if two have, if you two can have their heads cut off, either they could all be good with their heads cut off, or none of them good. What's the split that two is okay and one not? Okay, we'll get look worried about that. Maybe Tarvin says all three can have their heads cut off, which is interesting, because why all of a sudden are we debating this issue of Hadas by their heads cut off and not by a Rava? Rashi says that according to Rabbi Tarfan, he doesn't need Hadar, but if you look at the last Rashi in the Mishnah, Dulopai Hadar Hadas. He doesn't need Hadar by Hadas, which is bizarre. Like, why the Hadas doesn't need a Hadar and the Lulav and the Arava do? So the whole idea that you could have a Hadas Katum and there should be a separate Halacha by the Hadas, by this idea of Katum, you could have said maybe the Hadas doesn't, doesn't become unhadar with the head cut off. It's a bigger problem by the Lulav and Harava just in terms of what aesthetic reality is created. But to say in principle you don't need Hadar, why the Hadas should be excluded is bizarre. So on the one hand, you have this issue about whether you need, about the hadas, whether it can be katum or not katum. But the other issue is how many of each that you need. Rabbi Akiva, Omer, Rabbi Akiva says, Keshem shalulav echad ve'esok echad, kach hadas echad ve'arava echad. There's one lulav, one esok, one hadas, one arava. It sounds like it says like, you know, one God, one Torah, one Jewish people. Now I should say that I don't mean that only in joke, because there's a quite shocking um, midrash, according to Rabbi Akiva, that describes the symbolism of the Arba Minim, and he describes each one of the Arba Minim is Kineget HaKadosh Baruch and he quotes the Pasuk, Lulav Zeh uh, you know, Esrog Zeh HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hadas Lulah which really evokes this almost very, you know, Kabbalistic idea of bringing together, like somehow the different aspects of the divine, you know, and sort of seeing that as what the whole idea of the Lulav is. Um, so that is, there's actually a Midrash that Rabbi Akiva says that, and therefore combining that with the idea that Rabbi Akiva says only one Lulav, one Hadas, one Arava, you know, one wonders if there's some correspondence there. Let's take a look at the Gemara. Time to return to Bryce. When you smell Omer, Priet Hadar, Achat, Kapot Marim, Achat, Anafis Avot, Shlusha, Ave Nachal, Stai. Now, where's he getting it from? So, if he's getting enough eight avot from the fact that there's three words, and Arve Nachal from the fact that there's two words, or the word Arve is in plural, so why not learn Priet Hadar, three Esrogim, Kapot Marim, two? You know, so it's not exactly clear, but Tosis raises the question. Not exactly clear. Obviously, the last do seem to be by the number of words, or Arve by the plural, but how that you're limited to one Lulav and one Esrog is not so clear. Um, how do you so, get more? I mean, some people take more Hadas. Well, we'll talk about that. Later, even if two of the hadasim have their are cut off, are, are the tips are cut off, and one is not. All three can have their heads cut off. Now, it's interesting why Amru Lo, because who's he disagreeing with? But anyway, maybe the Esro should be bound up together with the Lulav Hadas and Arava, and one bound. Marta, the Chinemar, Priyat Hadar, Vikapot Marim. It doesn't say a Priyat Hadar and Kapot Marim. Nemar, Ela Kapot, Kapot. Priyat Hadar, then there's no Vav. Kapot Marim, Ve'anaf Etzavot, Ve'ar Ve'nachal. So the fact that the Esrog is not joined to the Lulav with a Vav shows that you bunch the Lulav with the Hadas and a Rava and you keep the Esrog separate. How do you know that they prevent you from one the other? Meaning if you don't have all four Minim, you're not Yotze. How do you know that? Tamud Lamar, Ulekachtem, you shall take them. 
it really means you shall take for you, but it should be a full taking. You have to take all of them together. You cannot just take a few and be Yotze. It's actually interesting because you can take them at different times. You can pick up the Lulav, then pick up the Hadat, then pick up the Arava, then pick up the Asrog and your Yotze. But what we learn from Lukach 10 is you're not Yotze unless you take all four of them. Okay? Now, what happened to Rabbi Yehuda, who said he needs an egg, right? Right, right. Okay. Rabbi Yishmael Now, what's this Rabbi Yishmael idea of two heads cut off and one not? Ish laming by, if you need them to be holy, by namikulu, all should be whole. Ilo by shlaming, if you don't need whole, afilu chad namilo, then even if, then they should all three be able to be cut. So, Amar Bira, Amar Rabbi Ami, Chazabar Rabbi Yishmael. All right, he reversed himself. So, which one did he reverse himself from? So, Rashi says he reversed himself from the requirement of three. And really, he winds up really saying, you know, really, bottom line, I really only need one. And therefore, two of them can have their heads cut. So I really don't need three. Again, it's strange. It does not sound like that. It sounds like Rabbi Shmel feels like one is core and the other two are sort of like necessary but not as central. But the Gemara doesn't, can't understand how that all works together. I'm Rabbi Shmuel. Hello, Rabbi Tarfan. We rule like Rabbi Tarfan that says all three can have their heads cut off. Which is interesting. The Azar Shmuel Latime, he goes according to his reasoning. The Amar Shmuel Ahanu de Mizavni Asa, Shmuel said to people that sell the Hadassim, you'd better lower your prices and sell at a reasonable amount price. The Elo, and if you don't, if you start hiking up your prices, I will, I will expound the position of Rebbe Tarfon. And I will say that you can use them with their heads cut off, and therefore, uh, there goes your whole market, because now people won't pay a premium to get full Hadassan. So if, so if you want, if so, you better, you better sell them at a reasonable price. So the Gemara says, my time, and now, why is he threatening to teach them Rebbe Tarfon? If it's because Rabbi Tarfin is a lenient position, the leaders look Rabbi Akiva to make say. Why not say Rabbi Akiva who only demands one? So, you need to so why not? So the says no. Because it actually it's much easier to get three with their heads cut off. And to get one perfect is less is is is, is, is harder. So actually it would make it it would it would make it much easier for people to demand three if you could allow Khatum than demand just one. So if he really wants to threaten them, the bigger threat is to tell you you can use them ketumim, even three ketumim. Now by the way, the Gemara, you know, Tezu says what do you mean? Threaten him this way, threaten him that way. If you pass him like Rebbe Tarfin, you're only going to threaten them with what you pass him like, not with what you don't pass him like. Yeah, okay? I didn't know that. So, that's what the Gemara is sort of saying. Like, the Gemara is trying to say, I'll prove to you he holds like Rebbe Tarfin. Because if he was just threatening them, and he didn't really hold like it, he should have threatened them with Rebbe Akiva's position. And the says, nah, that's not a proof. Because maybe Rebbe Tarfin is a more threatening position than Rebbe Akiva's position. But anyway, the conclusion is that Shmuel holds like Rebbe Tarfin. And again, it's a fascinating point. If we pass it that way, why is it that the Hadas could be Katum and other things don't have to be Ketum and can't be Ketumim? Is it like Rashi says, fundamentally you don't need Hadar? Why should Hadas have a different fundamental demand of Hadar than other things? So one is the interesting issue of Ketumim, but the other is the fascinating question of the numbers, where you get the numbers, and the idea that Rabbi Akiva says only one of each, and he doesn't agree with this issue of numbers. Tomorrow, maybe I'll touch on the issue that Michael raised, which is what if you have more than the minimum, is that an issue or not, that comes up in the Rishon and we'll touch on that tomorrow.